History Split Up, a podcast that explores the what if during historical events. I am your host, the Dr. Philip Reese. Happy, happy, happy new year. This is our very first show of 2020. Feels odd saying that. As well as our very first episode of season three. Thank you all for listening. I'm so proud that we are able to do another season filled with what ifs. Of course, I'm here alongside Pug, the Parallel Universe Generator, a computer program created just for this podcast. Pug, say hello. Hello, Doctor. And how was your new year? It was fantastic, Doctor. What about yours? It was great. I'm happy that we were able to take a couple of weeks off to explore some of these new parallel universes that you are going to generate. By the way, Pug is very key with this podcast. If it wasn't for Pug, we would not be able to produce these parallel timelines. A little bit about our podcast, just in case this is your first time listening. As stated, we explore the what if during historical events. For example, like last season, we did do an episode. What if Donald Trump was assassinated? I enter that information into Pug. Thank you, Pug. Pug then formulates a parallel timeline using that information as well as other information around that same time period. And then I read out those bullet points to you, the audience, each and every Monday. With that being said, make sure you hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any of our new episodes happening during season three. Or make sure you check out some of our past episodes from season one as well as season two. There is a ton and ton of what if scenarios this week. We're going to do something different. On the season finale of season two, I did state episode one of season three was going to talk about a what if dealing with the Y2K. I was going to say, what if Y2K really did happen and all of the computer programs did crash on January 1st, 2000? I changed things up a little bit going off of what's happening in the news right now. You know, the tensions between America and Iran are at a high at this point. Trump took out one of their top generals in Iraq. Iran did fire back. Trump said it was because of the ambush that happened at a U.S. embassy, as well as information saying that the general intended on doing more harm to American resources and embassies. I'm not going to get into all of the politics about that, but I did want to get to the root cause of why we have so many tensions in Iran. Now, most are going to point to the 1979 revolution that happened in Iran, and that was when Iran turned into an Islamic Republic. But I wanted to go a little bit deeper, just a little bit deeper with Pug, which is why today we are going to do the what if of the 1953 Iranian coup. Yes, in our current timeline, the United States and the UK did a covert action to overthrow the Iranian government in 1953. This really happened. Please look up Operation Ajax for the U.S. and for UK listeners, Operation Boot. This will clearly outline 
what happened in 1953 and how the U.S. government and the U.K. overthrew the Iranian government, all because the Iranian government wanted to nationalize. Well, I'm not going to say they wanted to. They did nationalize the oil in 1951. Once that change happened, yes, there was a lot of wealth that happened after the coup in 1953, but the people always felt like outside governments were helping Iran at that point, and there was too much Western influence happening. You can even look at photos of the 1960s and 1970s Iran. The photos look like they were taken in America, the UK, or any other non-Islamic country. I mean, the women, they didn't have to cover up from head to toe. They was wearing skirts. So they were able to have jobs, which is unheard of now in Iran. They were able to go to school. They were able to become lawyers and doctors. Hell, they were able to drive. It was a totally different country in the 60s and 70s. I'm going to make sure I post some of those photos on our website as well as on social media and within the links of this podcast so you can see for yourself. It was a it looks like it was a parallel universe. It looks like it was a parallel universe looking at Iran in the 1960s and 1970s. The separation of church and state was huge, but the biggest issue is the monarchy that was in place at the time still ruled and killed hundreds and thousands of people if they got out of line. Due to that 1953 coup of Iran, that directly, directly caused the 1979 revolution of Iran, which is mainly how we got here today with our relations with Iran and America, among other things. I mean, the whole Middle East is a, is a mess. I have no clue why America is even over there. Most likely it is due to oil and other items. But today we are just going to focus on that 1953 Iran. We are going to discuss what if America and the UK did not perform those operations and did not overthrow the government of Iran in 1953. So once again, this episode is going to be what if the United States and the UK did not overthrow the Iranian government in 1953. Pug, are you ready with your parallel timeline? What if the United States and UK did not overthrow the Iranian government in 1953? Project 1289. Calculations complete. Well, thank you, Pug. I am going to go ahead and grab those bullet points, and we will be right back. I will talk to you soon. We are back, Pug. Thank you again for providing these little points of our what if this week. A little bit of background before we get into this episode. And keep in mind, Iran was not the Islamic Republic as we know of today. The Angola Iranian Oil Company, and we're going to call that the AIOC, which is now part of British Petroleum, BP Oil, 
did have an agreement with Iran back in the 1940s to extract the oil. The British Oil Company, they, they built this oil industry in Iran from the bottom up. That is important in this conversation. In exchange, the oil company was granted full control of all plants, refineries, as well as future sites and the sale of oil coming from Iran. The British government, they owned 51% of this oil company. And this is when things come into play because it's all about the money. 1948 documents, they show, and this is our current timeline we're still talking about right now. They show that the British government received over 28 million pounds in taxes from the AIOC. Iran, they only received a little over 1 million pounds in taxes that year. That's just talking about taxes so you can see how much of a difference there was when it comes to money going to Britain as opposed to Iran. In other words, the company paid 2% of profit to the Iran in taxes while paying almost 45% to the British Treasury. That's huge. In 1950, the oil company net profits, they reached 151 million pounds. Again, we're talking about 1950. 151 million pounds. 16 million pounds went to Iran for both royalty and taxes. Just 16 million. 50 million. 50. Five zero pounds went to the British Treasury in taxes alone. We're not even talking about royalties. We're just talking about taxes. 50 million. Five million. Because of how little the Iranian government was receiving from these oil companies, the Iranian parliament seized control of the oil industry within their country, which was, again, ran by private foreign countries. This movement was led by Mohammad Masada. In 1951, he was the prime minister of Iran at the time, in both the current and what's going to happen in this parallel timeline, you're going to hear his name a lot during this podcast. Now, you can imagine the outrage with the British government. They did create a black aid as well as an embargo on Iran. And Iran could no longer really ship their oil. In fact, other large oil companies, they started to boycott Iranian oil in fear that other countries would start to nationalize their oil. And for the people at home, I'm going to ask you, what is wrong with a country wanting to keep their own resources and profit off of them? Why is it that outside governments have to go into other countries to seize their resources to gain profit? As an American, I would not want any other nation coming into our country to seize our resources. So what's wrong with Iran standing up for themselves and saying, no, Iran first. It was all about money. Now, in our current timeline, that blockade continued. Masada and the British government, they were not able to come to an agreement. Even at the urge of America, America did say, hey, why don't you take a 50-50 deal? Britain, they said, no, in fact, there were plans for Britain to evade Iran. 
back in the early 50s. Bet you didn't know that. There were plans for that to happen. They chose not to. And in this current timeline, among other things, the UK, with the help of America's CIA too, because the CIA were afraid of a communist uprising that was going to happen in Iran, they did overthrow the government in order to take control of those oil fields. That's what it really came down to. Now, there were some other tensions happening within Iran, but it really came down to the oil. And the fact that by 1953, since there was that embargo going on from the UK and the boycott from other oil companies to not do business with Iranian oil companies, the economy at the time in Iran was not the best in 1953, and it was poised for a coup. And after that coup, it became a monarchy again, controlled by one person. And like I said in the intro, yes, they did try to westernize that country, but the people always felt that because of that coup, which was backed by America and the UK, it wasn't really for the people. It wasn't genuine. This is where Pug is going to say the timeline changed. In this parallel timeline, due to the fear of the rise of Russian communism, which was happening in the 50s, as we all know, the Cold War was a real thing. And it was a threat in Iran as well, too. The U.S. government and companies in February of 1952 started to support Iranian oil. And by June of 1952, Iran and Britain, they were able to come to terms. They were able to come to terms. And it was a 35-65 split, where 65% of the profits will go to the country of Iran, and 35% of the profits will go to Britain. This ended the British embargo and blockade. This also ended all of the different boycotts that were happening with other large oil companies. And this changed Iran forever because now the people did feel like they were able to have control over their oil and they did not have to have any type of outside influence when they're in their country. Masada was hailed as a hero. Of course he was because he led this movement. He was very stubborn in our current timeline, by the way. They said that, yes, he did propose some deals and it was Britain that turned them down. But my research also pointed to that he was very against any type of influence happening from outside companies. So there's a lot of question marks here. But in this parallel timeline, they came to terms because of that. The 1953 coup did not happen. But in 1954, there was a revolution that started to occur in Iran where the people of Iran wanted to remove the monarchy that was in place and they wanted to base their constitution on America where they wanted to remove the parliament and have a government by the people for the people. And this revolution did work. It was backed. I'm not going to say it was backed, but Puck is saying it was supported supported by America, but it was not backed. They did not have any boots on the ground, so to speak. They did not have any CIA agents 
on the ground to help boost this proposal. They supported these movements, and of course they would because of the fear of communism as well too. And by 1956, the monarchy was peacefully removed, and they did ratify a new constitution where there was a president, there was a senate, as well as the Supreme Court. Again, they based it all upon the American Constitution. And by 1959, Iran was slowly becoming a jewel in the Middle East. A jewel. Where they were able to have great profits because of the deal they made with Britain. That 70% split was huge for them. And because they supported the separation of church and state, the Ayatollah had little power. Now, of course, you still have your Muslim religion within this region, as well as in this country. But it wasn't extreme. It was not what you see today. And just like in our current timeline, 1960 Iran, it thrived. It thrived. The main difference is that because there was no outside influence from foreign governments, the Iranian people was still able to hold on to their culture, but still expand into the Western world. Muhammad Mossad, remember him? He was the very first president of Iran starting in 1958. He chose in 1962 not to run for re-election because he did not want to look as a dictator. He did not want to look as a king. He wanted the country to know that, no, this is your government. This is yours. It's for the people, which is why he stepped down after four years. He was leading by example. And by the time 1962 Iran came around, this was like the Dubai as we know it today. Huge buildings were erected all over Tehran. It became a paradise within the Middle East. Other countries looked towards Iran and the Middle East as a beacon of hope. At that same time, communism was still a threat in surrounding countries, and Russia had a bigger influence in Iraq. In fact, they started to hold coups within that government, And by 1963, there was a revolution that happened in Iraq where they turned away from all religion and went more towards a communist state. And if you're familiar with socialism, they reject all religion, among other things. Well, you can see what's about to unfold pretty soon is that you have a capitalism country in Iran, a government for the people, by the people. And right next door to them, you have a communist state of Iraq. Yes, this is starting up to be a little bit of a proxy war that's going to happen pretty soon in the 70s with Iran being backed by America, as well as Iraq, who is going to be backed by Russia, but more on that in a second. Let's keep our focus on Iran in the 1960s. Education was huge. Money was coming from everywhere. Other countries looked at Iran as a beacon for hope. Americans viewed this country as a success story. In fact, they go there to vacation. 
because it does not seem like a foreign land. Iran becomes one of our biggest allies in the 1960s when it comes to the Cold War. They supported America when it came to Vietnam. Now, also in the 1960s, we cannot forget about the religion that was happening within Iran, too. Yes, you still had your extremists, just like in any country, but they were put off to the side. Because the people really had a hold of this country and it was really their rights to vote and to have a say with what's happening within their government. And because there was such a huge gap between country and church, the Ayatollah was never able to gain a huge influence within that government. It was just uncalled for. Let's move on to 1965. Iran continues to flourish. The money is coming in left and right. It is a paradise. The relationship with Iran and Israel is unique because there's such a separation between state and religion. They're able to work with Israel. It's one of the few countries in the Middle East during the 1960s and 1970s that are able to do so. They have no qualms with them. They work with them. Again, this is because of the separation of church and state. Let's move on to 1968, which was a big year in Iran. Because this is the jewel of the Middle East now. Like a modern day Dubai. Only more open. And a lot more freedom. Where it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, you could come to Iran, and if you have a dream, you can be successful no matter what. And the jobs, they were everywhere in Iran, where they focused on technology and medicine. But more or less on technology. That was their big push. All of their major universities was pointed towards technology. They knew that was going to be the future. They allowed outside companies to come in and build factories dealing with tech. If students did go to a foreign university, they focused on technology. And because of this openness and freedom within Iran, a lot of refugees started to head to this country, especially women and their kids who wanted to escape these other Islamic countries where they were forbidden to do anything. Let's just call a spade a spade. They were not allowed to do anything. So they fled to Iran. In Iran, they accepted them. They accepted them. And because of that, Iran continued to flourish because they started to receive some of the greatest minds during the 1960s and 1970s. You know, kids, they were not bound to just practice or study certain things. There was no items that was forbidden because of a book. You know, because a book said, no, you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. They were able to flourish. And because this was a government ran by Iran with no outside influence, it kept on becoming a powerhouse. This is why you have so many refugees heading to Iran 
in the late 1960s. All right, let's talk about the 1970s. Iran is still the jewel of the Middle East. Some would think that there is going to be a war between Iran and Iraq because Iraq is communist, but no, that does not happen. That does not happen. Because Iraq went the other way, yes, they were able to nationalize their oil, but they just do not see the profits, unlike Iran. Huge difference between both countries is that, yes, religion is practice in Iran. It doesn't matter what you practice. You're allowed to do so freely. That was part of their constitution. The freedom of religion. In Iraq, it's a little bit different because they went the socialism path. There is no religion in that country. In fact, they executed a ton of Muslims in that country. And other people who wanted to practice religion. Tensions between other countries in the Middle East, like Egypt, Afghanistan, they do rise and they do have a little war with Israel. Iran, they are neutral during this time period. So is Iraq. They are both neutral during those, um, during those wars. Now, in 1973, there is no oil crisis. Yes, the Organization of the Arab Petroleum Exporting Countries, or OPEC, they still do an embargo on nations who are supporting Israel during Yom Kippur. But the embargo did not work because Iran, all of that money was now sent to them. And yes, I do want to talk about 1979. Of course, in this current timeline, that is when the Iran revolution did happen. And that is when Iran became a Islamic Republic because there was separation of church and state. And because the Ayatollah had no power, there was no gap in the country in order for anyone to take over or even have a revolution. And throughout the 1970s and the 1980s, as well as the 1990s, Iran, they continued to grow. They continued to grow. Iraq, they fell at the same time period when the Soviet Union fell in 1989 and 1990. Of course, there was no American-Iraqi war because it wasn't the same country. It wasn't ran by a dictator. They did not try to attack Kuwait to take over their oil fields. In fact, Iran had a large control of this region. And people loved it. The people loved it because it was a government ran by the people. If you want to fast forward today, of course, they're a powerhouse right now. They are a powerhouse. They're Dubai before Dubai. They have some of the largest buildings in the world. Thanks to the type of government they have. They have some of the best cuisines that you can imagine in the world, in Iran, in this parallel timeline. Some of the best universities are in Iran, in this parallel timeline. It is, I'm going to say this one more time, it is the jewel of the Middle East. In fact, Dubai 
tries to copy off of Iran. The casinos are huge there. The culture is huge there. They have a king fashion sense where they were able to base their fashion on old style Persian looks. And it's all of the rage, not just in the Middle East, but also in America and in Europe. All throughout the 1990s and 2000s. We have no issues with them. They are a friend and an ally. Because of how Iran was able to run their government, there is less American influence all across the Middle East. But with that being said, there is more Western influence within the Middle East. I'm going to say that one more time because I know it sounds confusing. There is less American presence in the Middle East in this parallel timeline. But there's more Western influence in the Middle East. Because Iran was able to do it for themselves without American backing. It was really for the people. Other countries started to jump on that bandwagon where they wanted that same type of freedom and it worked. And in the Middle East, if other countries did want to do so and there was a threat of war, Iran was always one of the first countries to step in and help support that country, achieve a country that was truly free. And that is our show for the week. Thank you for tuning in. I will make sure to put a ton of links about our current timeline that deals with Iran and the coup that happened with America and Britain, as well as a documentary that you should definitely watch. The documentary is called, once again, The Iranian Odyssey, Masada Oil, and the 1953 CIA coup. If you want to know more about histories, what if? Just head to our website. We are at www.historieswhatif.com. Also, we are on all of the social medias. Facebook, Twitter, the Instagram. Just look for at Histories What If. And one more note, if you like what you heard, please make sure to hit that subscribe button as well as leave a review or rating. That way we can increase our viewership across all of the different podcast services. With that being said, on behalf of Pug, I am the Dr. Philip Reese. We will talk to you next week. Take care. Bye.